Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Mecca podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo. As always, I'm joined by my partner, Sam Hengeli. Today, we have the opportunity to speak with Michael Thomas. Michael is a Kansas native and a former college and professional soccer player who has enjoyed many years of success playing around the world. Michael, we appreciate the time this evening. Thank you guys for having me. Looking forward to uh the next the next hour of uh, conversation right now to start michael provide a little bit of an update of like what you're doing now and where you are uh in your life yeah um long story short in oklahoma city oklahoma been here for eight years um i'm sure we'll talk about this but uh professional soccer did bring me to the city in 2014 and finished my career Four years ago, met my lovely wife, Beth. Um, her and her family are Oklahoma City through and through. Um, I'm down here, obviously, with her, and we just had our first child, uh, Drew Opal Thomas. She goes by Opal, and she's three months. She's doing fantastic, healthy as can be, and as any parent would say, the best thing in the world. Um, I am currently in medical sales. Um, I work with a company called Atricure. Without boring you guys to death, we sell surgical ablation devices that scar the tissue of the heart. So anybody dealing with atrial fibrillation, I work with a company that does its best to uh, try to find a way to get patients to have a regular heart rhythm and lead a, a better quality of life. So been doing that for three years, um, uh, started off on the open heart side, and now there's a hybrid division within my company. So uh, traveling throughout Oklahoma, North Texas, and Northwest Arkansas a lot. Um, really enjoying it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's going great. Probably stick. Uh, I've always wanted to be in medical sales and hoping to stick with uh, this company and hopefully in this, be in this industry for quite some time. When you decided to retire, was that the path that you wanted to take on like after your playing career? Yeah, so my undergrad, I was a pre-med and psychology major. Um, I had, you know, I, I dreamed, I don't know if I dreamed, but I would have liked to go into physical therapy. Um, growing up, playing a lot of sports, got injured plenty. I used to be afraid of, uh, you know, blood and ORs. And so, you know, spraining my ankle a few times and not going th through something that was very drastic, but going to the physical therapist and you know, seeing that, you know, doctor patient relationship and, you know, overcoming adversity with uh, something that's not typically life threatening, right, was something I was really interested in getting into. So um, I always wanted to be involved in the medical industry, but soccer uh, took me, you know, eight years of playing professionally took me a different direction. So 
when I officially hung up the boots. Um, you know, I was actually getting my MBA at the time. Um, I was specializing in entrepreneurship and I just really started liking the business side of a lot of things. Um, worked with the company just after I started playing, but one of the main reasons I stayed in Oklahoma City was to finish my MBA at OU. Um, I got involved in uh, sports management, was a general manager of an indoor sports facility and a consultant for building an 80,000 square foot facility, helping, you know, get the business plan put together, et cetera. Was there for a couple of years and then just really kind of reflected, took a step back and thought about getting back into the somehow the medical industry. And my father actually has been in atrial fibrillation for 35 plus years. So I happened to just look at the company that I'm with and it seemed like the right fit. And it just makes me feel like I'm having somewhat of a small but positive impact on each and every patient that we deal with every day. And that's what I, I really thrive, um, you know, on each and every day too. That's awesome. Now, you know, many athletes who have retired, they sometimes retire, whether it's because they maybe lost that drive, they lost that edge, or maybe injuries played a part. What led you to the uh, decision to retire from soccer? It was a really difficult decision to be completely transparent. Um, being in Oklahoma City and being with the Oklahoma City Energy for three years, um, team captain, pretty uh, you know, leader on the field and off the field, pretty involved in the community, um, getting my MBA, I felt like I was going to be here for quite some time and kind of finish my career or, you know, make enough noise so that I could get back into the MLS. And when my contract wasn't renewed, um, you know, it was just an, a real moment to sit back and think, you know, do I do I want to continue to chase the dream, even though I've played at the highest of levels, the MLS and all spin skin, like, is it really going to ever happen? Um, or is getting my education furthering my education and getting, you know, starting my life really, does that make more sense? I was, as I said, I was really involved in the community. I'd made a pretty or established a pretty good network of individuals that I felt like I could get my foot in the door elsewhere. So just, it was tough, but after, you know, looking at my options, I did have a couple offers to go and play. It just didn't make sense for me. Um, it was time for me to just really start life after soccer and as difficult as it was it took me about three four months to really get used to that transition as I think any athlete it would it was very exciting too because I was super super pumped to just like get away from everything that I've been investing so much time into for the past you know 27 years really so um it was yeah it was it was difficult I had the drive but um it just it didn't make sense for the position that I was uh, in my life at the time for sure at the time, you said it took you a while, about three or four months to get used to a different lifestyle. Did you have any regrets during that period? No. That's one thing I, uh, you know, me and my wife and my family, we always talk about is that's just, I'm a person that always looks forward. Um, you know, you can look in the past and dwell on it, but at the same time, it's, there were no regrets. Um if there was anything I could change, I think one thing that I've learned in my life is to be patient, um, be a patient individual. And there were a couple of times in my career where maybe I could have been a little bit patient, more patient, I should say, and just, you know, put my head down and, and put more work in to get to where uh, I wanted to be, even though I always felt like I was the or one of the hardest workers on the team. So 
I wouldn't say that that's a regret, but it's definitely something that I learned throughout my career is uh, just to continue to be patient and, you know, whatever, whatever job, whatever career I decide to, uh, to get into. Right now, you know, obviously we'll get a little bit more in depth about your entire soccer career, but you know, you grew up in the Kansas city area, just as where Sam and I are at right now, went to school to play high school at St. Thomas Aquinas. I am curious, you know, do you think the soccer community in Kansas City and KC metro area has grown over the past decade or so now compared to when you played? Oh, tremendously. You know, I remember when it was the Kansas City Wizards pretty much when I was through high school um, and they were playing at um, Arrowhead first and then I'm blanking on the, uh, the, the baseball stadium. Community America ballpark, right. uh, T Bones, right? Say Monarchs are. It's exactly right. Yeah. So, um, thinking about how far you know soccer has come in Kansas City from a professional standpoint, sporting KC, obviously, with the with the with the rebranding of the Wizards and then building their own you know state state of the art uh, stadium, everything that that group has done throughout the community in terms of youth soccer. I mean two of the best complexes in the United States of America are in Kansas city. It is completely different from than when I was growing up playing. And I only wish that I had it, had something like that, I should say to strive for um, when I was younger, but at the same time, it was, you know, when I was growing up, it was, Hey, I want to Liverpool was my team and I want to eventually play for Liverpool. So I had something to strive for seeing that professional environment even though we weren't exposed to soccer, you know, as much as the younger generations are today, but the community and soccer um, just in general in Kansas city is, I mean, I I'm not up there often, but every time I am, it's, it's one of the best, if not the best areas in the United States of America, in my opinion, am I biased? Maybe, but it's, it's, it's the truth for me. What spoke to you uh, just for the sport of soccer, what made you, want to pursue that uh, as a professional career and play that at a professional level compared to the other sports? Without tooting my own horn, I was a pretty good athlete. I, I, I was going to St. Thomas Aquinas. I had to make the choice to play soccer or football. They're both fall sports. Um, and just, you know, reflecting and really thinking about, you know, what I enjoyed more and where I could possibly, you know, take where I could possibly take my career, whether that's in college or further um soccer made the most sense to me what I always tell people why I chose soccer over other sports is that it's really a true sport of freedom you know it's not one that has set plays yes there's formations and there's the tactical side of the game but it's all about being proactive and understanding the game and being knowledgeable about it and you know finding solutions consistently Uh, obviously you do that in every sport but I just enjoyed how the only way to prepare for each and every game was just to be on top of your game constantly and, you know, kind of assess the situation before it ever happens. And I love the, I love the environment that every European team really has that, you know, Americans are starting to, to get to as well. There's just so much more spirits, I feel like, in the game of soccer or football around the rest of the world that really drew me in as a person. That's just kind of the kind of the person that I am too. I love the, love the freestyle play. I love the, I love the passion behind it. Um, and that's what really drew me to play soccer over the other sports and to be completely transparent again, you know, growing up and being kind of the player that I was, I really believed that I could 
could take soccer um, far and play overseas. And that would be a pretty fun story to tell my grandchildren. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Michael, um, so you got you uh, played at St. Thomas Aquinas High School. And then uh, in the EKL, you got to play against another really good soccer player um, in Matt Beasler, who went to Blue Valley West. You end up becoming teammates with him at Notre Dame and then eventually at a for Sporting Casey. What was your relationship like with uh, with uh, Matt when uh, you were in high school and growing up? I don't know how much time you guys have, man. I can tell <laughs> stories uh, for, for hours, but me and Bees are, are very good friends. I consider him one of my best friends for sure. Didn't really know each other much through high school, um, except for the fact that we were both coached by the same um, club coach. So our t- he was a year older than me. Um, he was an 87, so both in school and just, you know, I was an 88 uh, birth year. So practicing against him constantly, we just knew of each other. You know, we had small conversations. Um, ironically, uh, we were in the same friend group my junior and senior year as, as you know, just, just ran into each other and then just started hanging out a little bit more. And again, he was one that the whole community and myself definitely looked up to. And I still remember to this day when he committed to Notre Dame, it was one of those where it was really eye-opening, I think, to, to all of us. And um, especially in the soccer world who really, you know, were, were hoping that, you know, one of us in this community or that community would really take it to that next level. And um, so became became a little bit closer throughout the recruiting process when Notre Dame was, um, you know, calling me. Um, and so do you want me to go into our friendship after high school or just speak through about high school? Talk about like college days as well. And maybe a little bit in your sporting. Yeah. Yeah. So everything. Yeah. So, uh, bees and I, then, you know, of course I committed to Notre Dame and then, uh, bees really took me under his arm. Um, the first couple of years, you know, it was kind of a, kind of the joke that as Bees was there, it was, oh, there's another Kansas City kid coming, you know, coming, and he's going to be just like Bees. And so I think they gave Bees a hard time his freshman year, but eventually I came in and, you know, made a name for myself. It wasn't just Bees, Bees Jr., right? It was yeah. Bees and MT. So, um, you know, we, we were roommates for two, uh, one year um, and um, in, in O'Neill Hall and uh, roommates throughout every summer school session you know, Bees is just somebody that I could talk about for days. Like I said, he's just tremendous, tremendous guy. We had a ton of, you know, fun memories, you know, from the college days playing with him in college. We were very good. My freshman and uh, sophomore year, his sophomore and junior year. I don't know if it's that Kansas city connection or whatever it was, but it was always being able to play together. You just knew where each other was going to be on the field. You knew, you know, it's just simple, just looking out for each other, the little things that we could do to make each other's game better. Um, obviously, he's one of the best, you know, in my opinion, to play from an American standpoint. So being able to look up to him and, you know, be by his side, obviously very competitive, too. So I always wanted to be just as good as him, if not better. We had a ton of fun ping pong games and mm-hmm. other other games I could talk about and go on for days. But yeah, that was our uh, our friendship and, you know, uh, relationship in uh, in college. And then um, going overseas for me for a couple of years and being able to come back and, you know, be with bees again in Kansas city, our hometown and teammates. And he was the man at the time. Right. And st- I mean, again, he still is yeah. the man, but the guy, um, just like the good old days, you know, nothing changed, just going out there and playing, playing with each other and, you know, uh, you know, just keeping each other on top of their game as much as possible, having fun outside of the, outside of the, the, the lines as well. So, uh, he's my boy and he always will be. We, 
yeah, we keep in touch quite often. That's awesome. Uh, so uh, in 2009, you were drafted by the San Jose Earthquakes, but uh, you chose to play in uh, Sweden for the uh, Halm, Halmstad's uh, BK club. Uh, what made mm -hmm. you choose to go to Sweden rather than stay in the States at the time? Yeah, for me, it was, like I said earlier, it was a dream to play uh, overseas. I was very proud of being drafted by San Jose. Um, I was out there for a week, and that's when my agent called and said, hey, there's a team in Sweden that's, that knows about you. They're very interested in bringing you over on trial. Nothing's guaranteed, but, um, you know, if you go over and show your stuff, then you're probably, you know, I think good things will happen. So um, I didn't know if I really wanted to leave at the time. I kind of put it in San Jose's um, hands. Talked to the head coach, Frank Yallop at the time, who was great. But again, we only knew each other for a week. There was a lot of fitness that first week. There wasn't much play. And the way that the MLS worked at the time and still may work a little bit is after you get drafted, right, you're not guaranteed a contract. And so sat there and just kind of weighed the options to, you know, take a risk. You know, do I risk staying in San Jose and being a part of, a good team at the time, but something that I, you know, where's it going to go from there or really chase my dream and, and go overseas. If I, you know, I'm on a top division team in Sweden, if I show very well, where can that lead me next, you know, a top another European country. And then, you know, maybe eventually play in the EPL for Liverpool. That was, that was literally my, my dream. Um, and so it was pretty easy decision um, and got on the plane and fly over the homes well, to <laughs> Gothenburg, Sweden. And when I first landed, I was a little bit unsure because I left 70 degree weather and, you know, San Jose, California and landed and it was about negative 10 degrees in, in Gothenburg, Sweden. And I mean, three feet of snow, dark all the time. It was, it's a little bit depressing in, in the winter. I will say that, but all my Swedish friends know how much I, uh, I love it over there. Um, throughout the year regardless so that was that was why I made the decision just wanted to take that risk and and invest in myself and believe in myself that I could go and make the team and go from there and what were the atmospheres like at playing in those games they were awesome the uh the first professional game I ever played uh, in was against Elfsborg um in Sweden and you know it was pro I think I think they see anywhere between 12 to 18,000, maybe, maybe not even that much, maybe 10 to 12,000, but it felt like we were playing in front of 50,000 fans, um, getting out there and warming up. It was a night game. It was under the lights. Um, I just remember the moment where we went back into the locker room after warmups and then we we're getting ready to walk out on the field, you know, as every prep professional team does just before kickoff. And you could just hear just the noise and the environment that we all feel at these top professional games. And I just remember walking out of the tunnel and, and looking over and there was this giant banner, Elsport banner, and it was a very intimidating atmosphere, um, but it was incredible to play in. And, you know, it's one of those where every time, every time you, your team scores or you get scored on, I mean, the noise is deafening, whether there's, you know, a few thousand fans there or, or you know, 10 to 15,000 fans. So, the, the more fun games were the games where we played in front of those 15, 20, 25,000, you know, seated stadiums. Some of the stadiums were a little bit smaller, so um, not very different than what we were playing in college. But those bigger games were, you can't really describe it. It's pretty incredible. Oh, I'm um, in uh, 2012. Uh, you signed with the Sporting with Sporting KC, of course, and headed back home. You were part of like the new the start of the new era of uh soccer and uh kansas city professional soccer 
Uh, what was it like uh, going back home and uh, being a part of this like new era for uh, sporting Kansas City? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was a more difficult decision than, again, I thought it would be. Um, I, I really thought that things were going well in Sweden. Um, I played in the first division the first year, second division the second year. So as it being a, somewhat of a humbling experience for me and how competitive I am, it was one of those to get back to the, one of the top leagues in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously it being the hometown team, you know, it's, it's a very, very, very hard call um, not to take and opportunity to pass up. So, you know, and just talking, literally talking to bees about everything, um, you know, I would watch their games as much as I could as I was in Sweden and, um, you know, just the stadium looked fantastic. The environment looked great. Like you're saying, there's a lot of buzz in Kansas city. There still is, but there a lot, there was at the time for sure. After thinking about all of that, it was a no brainer. You know, I wanted to be a part of that as much as I could. Um, you know, I wanted to play as much as I could and, and really just, of course, play in front of my friend's family. What more can you ask for at, at the highest level? Um, pretty easy decision at the end of the day, although at first it was difficult. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I and uh, Children's Mercy Park's one of the best uh, stadiums I've ever been to. It's just a great atmosphere. I remember I went to a Wizards game when I was a kid, and it definitely wasn't really as great of an atmosphere as it is today with, like, you got the general mission with, like, the crowd, like, with all the chants and the drums playing, the flags waving. Uh, yep. Definitely great to see uh, how, um, how much uh, soccer has evolved in uh, Kansas City. Absolutely. So um, you got to uh, play for a really great coach and uh, Peter Vermees, who uh, Nate Bucati has dubbed as the best coach in uh, Kansas City. He also did bring a MLS Cup as a player in 2000 and then brought one as a uh, coach in uh, 2013. Um, what makes uh, Peter Vermees such a great coach? I think the thing with uh, Vermees and the rest of the staff um, is – you know, they have a, a very um, specific style of play um, to where you have to buy into the system as a player immediately or else it's not going to work. And as you see, the best teams in the world, everybody has a specific system that they're trying to play, whether it's, you know, long balls over the top, whether it's possession from, you know, building up from the back to front, whether it's winning your second balls, you know, balls in behind, I could go on and on. But, um, you know, from day one, going in there and kind of understanding your role um, based off of what position you play and understanding every um, role of each position is, is extremely important. Definitely one of those to hold you accountable no matter what. There's no days off. When I was there, he also did a really good job of, you know, giving the players the freedom outside of, obviously, just to make your own choices. But, you know, anything outside of the facility, you, you know, you go out there, be professional, know that you represent Sporting Kansas City. But when it as soon as you enter the facility, as soon as you enter the stadium, you know, it's business. So I, I respect the heck out of Vermees because of how honest he and true he always was. Um, when I was there as a player, he held me to uh, an even higher standard that I ever thought that I, you know, could hold myself. And that's why he gets the best out of, you know, most of his players, in my opinion. So ton of respect for him and the staff and what they're doing up in Kansas city and what they've done. It's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, as you, as you asked earlier, what's, Whereas Kansas City on the map, I think, you know, most of that is due to Peter and, and his group, not just from a professional standpoint, but the youth soccer landscape and, you know, national team training facility, et cetera. I mean, without somebody like Vermees and his stature, um, it wouldn't be possible. So 
you gotta you gotta respect the heck out of that. What's the uh, biggest life lesson that you learned from Peter Vermees? I would say, um, yeah, just to just to life lesson would be just to not you know take anything for granted. Being a Kansas City guy, you know, I didn't expect to come in and and be the guy right away, right? You, yeah, but but at the same time, it's like, oh, this is this is going to work out. It's going to work out. That's just the way that it is. But no matter what, like I said before, you know, he held you to the highest of standards every single day. So you couldn't take a playoff. You couldn't take a moment off. You couldn't take a day off. You had to be zoned in and focused 24 seven. Um, and I think that that, you know, I think that that's, that's, that's a, a personality trait that you need to trans transition and translate into your personal life, regardless. And doing that, you can be very successful in whatever it may be. So that's, that would, yeah, that's what I would say. Awesome. Um, in uh, 2012, uh, your first year with uh, the club, uh, you were part of the U.S. Uh, Cup title. Give us a background on the significance of the U.S. Cup and what was it like to be a part of it? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was a such a special year for me because, um, like I said, coming back to Kansas City after being in Sweden for a couple years, um, just having the opportunity to play in front of my family and friends and for one of the best teams in the you know, in the MLS. It took me, it took me a while to get into the lineup. Um, and so I remember at the beginning of the year, I was getting, I was getting pretty frustrated because I felt like I was doing everything necessary to, um, to play. But at the same time, you're playing behind a couple veterans and Nagamura and Julio Cesar. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's they're incredible players. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I wasn't get the playing, getting the playing time, it, it wasn't one, I wasn't one to complain. I was one to put my head down and continue to work and outwork everybody else, you know, who was, who I felt like was in my position or just being a leader for maybe, you know, more as a squad player at the time. And so, you know, going through a couple of the first rounds of the U S open cup, as it being kind of your March madness of, 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 you know, U S soccer in general with every division. Um, I didn't even play the first game and I was, that's, you know, it was, it was tough for me, but at the same time, I almost felt like it was a test, um, from the staff, um, especially. And thankfully I just continued to put my head down and, and work as hard as I could and just played the soccer that I knew how to play. Didn't take it personal. And that next week was when I made my debut in, uh, in, in, in league play, um, at Seattle in front of, I think it was 44, 45,000 people. And, I think it was one of my best games that I've, you know, kind of ever played professionally. And after that, I started getting a run in the U.S. Open Cup games and more league games. I was really hoping that I could get in uh, in the championship game. Uh, such an incredible atmosphere, as you alluded to earlier. Um, and I remember, uh, I think it was it was uh, Paulo who uh, got hurt or got 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 knocked in the first like 25, 30 minutes and. I would have been the first one to go in and as you never want to wish an injury on somebody and you always have to be prepared for whatever may happen. It was one of those that I thought I was, I was coming in, um, didn't see the field, but at the same time, it felt like I was playing that whole 120 minutes in the shootout. And, um, one of my favorite moments was, you know, Seth Sinovic, he unfortunately sprained his ankle earlier in the game, but you know, me and him standing side by side during the PKs and after Eddie Johnson, you know, Missled it over the uh, over the crossbar. Told Seth, "Get on my back," and we ran <laughs> ran to the crowd and ran to the group, and it was just so fun to celebrate. Very meaningful moment with all my family there too. And um, again, even as as a squad player and anybody 
whether you're playing 90 minutes or 120 minutes of that game, or, you know, you're in the 18 or just somebody who's there every day at the, uh, at the facilities, that moment of just walking around the field with the U S open cup trophy and hoisting it to your fan or friends and family and all the fans. It's a, uh, it's a moment I'll never forget. And it's uh, definitely, definitely special. Yo, there are many events coming up in the world of sports. It'd be great to be in attendance for such. Where can we get tickets? SeatGeek. You see, SeatGeek is an app that can help you find the best seats with the best deals. SeatGeek shows you different tickets available with green being the best deals and red not being the hot deals. The best part is it shows you where you'll be sitting at the event. If you use the code SPORTSMECCA, you could get $20 off your first purchase. Get your seat at SeatGeek today. I want to get this uh, correct. Uh, if you win the U.S. U.S. Open Cup, does that mean you guys get to compete in the Champions League? Yes, that's how that's how it was. And I, honestly, I'm trying to remember. That's how it's that's how it is now. Um, and I believe that's how it was then as well. But I'm trying I'm trying to remember if we played any Champions League games that that next season when I was there, and I don't remember it. So I don't know when that actually went into effect. But I'm I'm assuming it did. I should know that, and I. I don't remember. Another uh, legend you got to play with with the Sporting Kansas City was uh, Jimmy Nielsen. Um, he was a really big reason why uh, Sporting won that, uh, not just the U.S. Cup, but then the MLS Cup and that uh, crazy game against Real Salt Lake. So what was it like uh, playing with uh, Jimmy Nielsen and what are some memories you have with him? I remember when I came back from Sweden and was uh, technically coming on trial for Sporting. So it was November of 2000, October, November of 2000, and that would have been 11, right? And I trained with Sporting for a couple couple weeks because, you know, we had conversations about, hey, it seemed like I was going to be signed, but you never, you never know. So I came in and trained with the group for a while, and I was just, my first day back, I was jogging just around the field, kind of doing a little regeneration jogging stretch. And I remember jogging around the, uh, the, where the goalies were training, and I could see Jimmy kind of looking at me. And he was asking the coach, you know, hey, who's, who's this guy? And whatever uh, JP, goalie coach at the time, said, uh, Jimmy started talking to me in Swedish. Um, and so he knew that I played in Sweden. So I said, you know, hey, you speak Swedish? And I said, in Swedish, yeah, I speak a little bit, but I'm, I'm American. I don't speak much. And so had a little laugh there. Um, and then uh, he's one of those that took me – took me under his arm pretty much from the get-go, um, knowing that, you know, I wasn't – I think he was one of those that could read the locker room extremely well, obviously being the captain and, and the person that he was and knowing that, you know, I was a hard worker and, you know, one, I'm just so competitive that I wanted to play as much as possible when it wasn't happening as much. The fact that I held myself to, you know, again, what I believe the highest standards and just being, being a leader, you know, to maybe the squad players, uh, you know, I think he, he really respected that. Um, but watching him play and, and just be uh be the person that he was in the locker room, um, just very sociable, you know, just just enjoying his life in, in the right way, but also super, super prepared constantly, very competitive. You know, he, he's kind of like for me, so he expects the best out of you, which is what every leader should should do. So ton of respect for him, played for him, obviously, for a few years uh, down here with the energy. And uh, yeah, it's it didn't end the way that I would have liked, unfortunately, as he was the coach here and I. I had to leave and, you know, we've had conversation or we had a tough conversation, but 
respect the heck out of the guy. And I really do love Jimmy because without him, I wouldn't be where I am today. And that's just, that's, that's life. Very cool. Um, so uh, during the 2013 season, uh, it was pretty sad when uh, you were traded to a uh, Toronto FC. What was it like being traded and what's the psychology like when you find out you're being traded? It's a great question. Um, you know, you asked me earlier about regrets, right? And I talked yeah. about being patient. Um, <clears throat> so Uri Rozelle came in, you know, Barcelona wonder kid, phenomenal player. Um, you know, we had, we had such a, such a deep midfield. And for me being in my hometown and, and just, you know, the pressure really, I put it more on myself than anything. Um, I, you know, I feel like I had a pretty good high school and college career and coming back and being able to, you know, showcase that the highest level is something that I, you know, took a lot of pride in and really wanted to do. I was able to do that, you know, on a limited scale in 2012 and thought that 2013, you know, that might be a a jumpstart more to my career. And when I just wasn't playing as much as I would have liked, again, can be as patient as you can be and you can continue to stay prepared. But, you know, there were times where it was just a little bit frustrating and I wasn't getting any younger. And I started just thinking, you know, does it make more sense for me in my professional career to, uh, you know, if there's other teams who may be interested, you know, and taking me out, you know, and offering more playing time. It's what any athlete wants, right? You can only be you can only be so happy not playing something that you're, you know, you're doing every single day. Right. So, you know, I, me and Peter had honest conversations with each other and I, I, I talked to him about it, not really expecting it to ever happen. I think I was just, you know, a little stubborn and frustrated at the time, but also, you know, completely respectful. You know, I love what they're doing and building in the city as we talked about, but you know, it's just so hard for me to not be as much of a part of it as I wanted to be um, or thought that I could have been. So I remember I was, uh, I was doing some coaching on the side for some supplemental income. And after I was done coaching, I got a phone call from um, the team admin at the time. And he said, Hey, Peter's Peter's ironically near uh, at a Starbucks, um, you know, uh, near me. Can you, can you meet him real quick? And I thought, okay, something's up. What's going on? Um, met with Peter, very brief conversation, but Michael, um, respect the heck out of you. That's why I'm here meeting you in person, but I wanted to let you know that Toronto FC had called and are interested in taking you on trade and we took them up on it. So we traded you to Toronto FC. So it was a bittersweet moment. Um, I say that just because, you know, all the emotions of everything happening at Kansas city, you kind of have that feeling where, shoot, I don't, I don't know if I want to leave. This is, Mm -hmm. this is is my home is where my family is. I love everything about sporting, but at the same time, taking a step back and thinking about it from a professional career standpoint, um, going to a team that wasn't doing the greatest and um, their head coach at the time was very good friends with my college coach and who my college coach always um, kind of, uh, you know, said he, that I reminded of, I reminded him of uh, Ryan Nelson and, and, he, and Ryan reminded him of me. And so I thought that it was a really good opportunity to go and, and play for a team that, again, wasn't wasn't the greatest in another country, again, ironically, mm-hmm. and uh, take that chance. So great, great opportunity at the time did not go the way that I wanted it to go whatsoever. Unfortunately, being up in Toronto was great. It was I lived downtown, incredible city, but just whether it was me or, or the club itself, it just didn't work out. Um, and that was, that was super frustrating for me because my first ever game with Toronto was actually ironically 
back in Kansas city against sporting. And I came on the last 25, 30 minutes and I thought I played really well and didn't see the field again. And it was, it was just a strange situation um, and disheartening for me. Um, but it especially stunk because sporting went on to go and win the championship. And so, yeah. like, you know, it was part of this group for seven, eight months and then they go on and win and obviously still great friends with all the guys and something I thought that was going to be a good transition for me didn't work out the way that it did. But as I said, so is life. And, you know, I learned a ton from it and uh, we, we moved on from there. So you're uh, you uh, got to finish your career and for, with the Oak, OKC Energy, uh, where you are living now in Oklahoma City. Talk about that experience. Yeah, so after Toronto, um, one of my good friends on uh, Sporting, Mikey Harrington, um, had he had a wedding coming up, and he had his uh, bachelor party in Las Vegas. And ironically, uh, Sporting uh, had their had their kind of uh, celebration party in Las Vegas as well. So we all happened to be on the, you know, on the strip at the same time. And, um, you know, again, with bees and chance and Graham and those guys, a bunch of my good friends, Jacob Peterson, you know, a bunch of my good friends who, uh, you know, I've been around for the past seven, eight months and was away for a few months, seeing them again and being able to celebrate a bit with them and still feel somewhat of a part of it was pretty cool. And just ironically ran into Jimmy, of course, he's there. Um, and Jimmy said, hey, MT, um, when you have some time over break, I really, I want to sit down and speak with you. Okay, what's this about? I have no idea. I called Jimmy um, about 30 minutes before Matt Beasler's wedding. I was one of Matt, Be one of Beasler's groomsmen. And Jimmy had said, hey, I need to talk to you. I'm getting ready to go out of the country. Please call me when you can. I'm leaving today. So called Jimmy and he told me about his, uh, his, um, his position down in Oklahoma city. He's going to retire, you know, from sporting and he's going to take on the, the head coaching job in Oklahoma city. And I was the first person he thought of about, you know, someone who needs to prove themselves, wants to prove themselves and lead the team, you know, would you come down to Oklahoma city and, you know, hopefully be, you know, one of the lead, be, be one of the leaders for sure. Maybe be our captain, not going to promise anything, but Obviously, MT, I'd love to build this team around you. MT, Michael Thomas, that's what they call me. So, so you know, it was, uh, it was a moment for me to really think, does, do, I continue, do I continue chasing my dream? Is this, is this realistic? Again, I didn't play as much as I wanted to at sporting, even though I felt like I could, or at Toronto, as, you know, I felt like I could. It just, just didn't make sense to me. But for me, it was, you know, one of those sports like playing in a second division in, in, in America. It's a little bit it's a little bit different. Right. And so it was, it was a humbling experience, like I said, but you know, everything and the, the vision that Oklahoma city energy had and me being able to get down there and be one of the guys, main guys and playing for Jimmy, you know, and it's in a town that really is behind their, behind their soccer, but just needed that professional team to really get the momentum going, like kind of like taking the risk that I did over in Sweden, took the risk to play with the energy um, team captain for three years. Um, our first year was a little bit rough, but our second year, 2015 was fantastic. I actually transitioned from center mid to right defender and really enjoyed it. And um, we brought over a couple Danes, Danny Koenig, Sebastian Dalgard. We had a very, very solid team. You know, we won the conference and then we lost in the semifinals. I'm sorry, in the conference finals, um, 
to LA and we were the best team in my opinion by far that year and not being able to pull out a victory was was super frustrating um we had a dramatic uh game against Colorado the week before and winning in a PK shootout and in front of 8,000 fans in Oklahoma City it's you know felt like soccer and the energy were really that like I said that ball was rolling and we were going to get going um 2016 very similar Went through a little bit of a rough patch and didn't finish the season quite as strong, but we lost in the conference semifinals. But I just, you know, Oklahoma City and my my experience with the energy was actually my favorite time in my career. Um, you know, it just it was me finally being my, not finally because I was definitely myself in Sweden, but it was I was able to be myself more just on the field. You know, I think I took I, you take pride in being the captain of the team, both on and off the field, and it's fun for me. Um, you know, to feel like I have that much of an impact each and every game. And I just need to, you know, keep the group focused and keep myself focused, you know, on, on the end goal. And that's to win a championship. And again, playing for Jimmy was great. Um, the support behind the city was fantastic while, you know, while I was playing um, uh, behind the team was fantastic while I was playing and I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, it was especially fun because it was close enough to uh, Kansas city to where my family and friends could come down very often and kind of have that hometown feel still. So awesome experience don't don't uh regret any of it for sure yeah that's that's awesome and uh oklahoma city their fans they for uh, whatever team whether it's the thunder or the oklahoma sooners they uh they definitely get show up and they uh bring the energy for sure absolutely yep that was uh that was one of the main things that drew me to the uh city after you know just USL at the time was really trying to build itself up and you could tell the first year there was there was there was opportunity because of the fans and the uh and the grid was the was the it is and was the fan group down here and just meeting a few of those individuals and seeing them you know start as a group of I was actually a part of their first ever meeting as a as a group which was awesome because there was six seven individuals you know discussing where they wanted to take it and you know by year two there was like I said, we had 8,000 fans at the game, but in the grid section alone, there was probably, you know, a thousand fans um, and obviously very passionate about soccer, very passionate about the energy. And it's a, it's a great city. It, w- it was a great city to play in front of. So it was a great city, but it was a great city to represent and play in front of. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk about uh, some really exciting news we got last summer as uh, something I thought we would never see happen Kansas City becomes one of the host cities for the uh, 2026 uh, FIFA World Cup. How excited are you that your hometown now gets a host, not just one of the biggest, the biggest soccer event, but one of the biggest sporting events in the world? I think it's a testament to everything that Kansas City has done over the past 10 to 15 years. Um, you know, being being the heart of, you know, or heart, being in the heart of USA, um, you know, you see all the cities that are hosting, obviously all the big cities, our Dallas's, our Chicago's, our LA's, New York's, whatever it may be. The fact that Kansas City is able to uh, to, to host however many games they're going to host is, is a testament to all the work that's put in behind the scenes, all the success that sporting has had, and then all the success that the staff and the organization has has um, has 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 had and the work that they've put in. Um, I'm selfishly, I'm super excited because I live, you know, three hours away from Dallas and then four and a half hours away from from Kansas City. So, just as the announcement was made, I, you know, my wife was pregnant and I was just thinking about how awesome it's going to be to get up to Kansas City 
Hey, you know, and yes, our, our son or daughter, we didn't know what we were having our daughter now, you know, is going to be able to experience that hopefully, you know, with her, with her dad and mom and dad at, at a game and really, you know, take in a world cup in our hometown. I mean, there's not much more that you can ask for. And even if we go down to Dallas, it's not our hometown, but at the same time, being able to experience and see as many games as, as we can, um, it's going to be an incredible, incredible experience, an incredible event and testament to everybody you know, the U.S. soccer organization, especially Kansas City, to to make it happen is pretty special. Yeah, no, I love how Kansas City, they represent uh, the U.S. Uh, men's and women's national teams, power and light district. Every time they have a game, that place is just so electric. And and there's all there's like a really good uh, pub and in, in the power and light district that I think sporting owns. So they've definitely done so much. They gave every reason to uh, host a a FIFA World Cup, and I'm yeah. very excited to see uh, how it, it goes in uh, Kansas City when it comes, and uh, just seeing the uh, development in the city as well, and I think it's going to be a terrific event, and I'm very excited the fact that uh, our city gets to host a FIFA World Cup, which I never thought would ever happen in our lifetime. Yep. Nope. It's uh like you said, it's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Maybe it'll happen again in our lifetime, but I, I doubt it, so got to take it uh not take it for granted all of us who are able to experience it even if we're not going to games but just like you said the whole environment around the city is going to be it's going to be buzzing for for a good four to six weeks for sure so uh michael so you got to live out your dream being a professional soccer player uh what advice would you give for those that are pursuing a, a dream yeah, I think the biggest thing is stay true to yourself and work hard. Um, it sounds it sounds cliche, but you know, find what you're good at and fine tune it to the best of your ability. Um, I was, I think, what set me apart from from a lot of others. You know, growing up was just my without trying to be egotistical was my game intelligence. I was never the fastest player. I was pretty kind of uh, stocky and and thick player, but. Um, you know, the, the legends club that I grew up playing, um, for, you know, it was all about game intelligence and, and, um, deceptive dribbling skills growing up and, you know, just growing up that allowed to, or that, that gave me the confidence to go into each and every game, knowing that, you know, I'm, if I needed to take on a player, I could, if I needed to connect a pass, I could, I understand the tactical side of the game, but I, I became passionate about soccer and I was good at it, but I would have never been who I am now or the player that I was um, without that extra drive and extra work ethic outside of practice. I remember my brother, who's, you know, my, my closest and best friend, he always just, he always committed me because he was like, Michael, he's like, the thing about you that separates, I believe yourself amongst everybody else or most players is the fact that you come home from soccer practice and you're in the backyard for another two or three hours, you know, perfecting your game. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's just how it was for me. Um, you know, there were no days off. Um, there were, I enjoyed my life for sure, but soccer was always something that I, that I, that I wanted to perfect and that I wanted to, uh, to, uh, to be the best at. Um, I still coach, a, a U 14 girls, um, soccer team. I've coached them for six years since I've been down here. So they were seven and eight when they first started now they're 12 and 13. And one thing I always tell them is think about that player or person that we've played against, or that, you know, who is, who is better than you, who you think is better than you, and you want to strive to be as good as them. 
And every time you're at practice or you're training or you're in your backyard or you're doing supplemental uh, or individual private sessions, are you putting in the work or more work than that person? Do you believe that you're working as hard as that person is, if not more? If so, then, then you know what the answer is. If not, you have, you have, you have more work that you need to do and where to, where to be. So that's, that would be my advice. Terrific. Whether it's college athletes that we've had or former retired athletes, that's, we always ask them, you know, question about advice. That's one of the best answers we've had. (laughs) I'll take it. Let's go. It's the truth. I mean, it really is. That's, that's what I, that's what, that's how I lived. And that's how I, how I coach and try to teach the younger generations too, because I'm obviously still very passionate about the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you have any, you know, social media accounts, ways that maybe current soccer players or maybe coaches can maybe reach out to you or get in contact? I have a Facebook page. Um, I have an Instagram. I am one of those that kind of lives the private life. Although I have both of them, I don't even have the app on my phone. Um, so it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, maybe it's the older you get, the more you, you don't care. Um, you know, but at the same time, for those that do want to reach out to me, like I said, I'm, I, I'm happy to, uh, to, to discuss anything and help out in any way, shape or form through, you know, through either Facebook or Instagram. Um, I do have a, 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 so, a soccer program that has been mine for five plus years, uh, mine and a friend, a other Kansas City kid, Cody Andrews, who I played with down here. It's called Soccer Allies. It's a program that is geared towards individual development, but our, our passion is keeping players in the game longer. So we, we actually have soccer allies that, we're, that we've built for the past five years, and we've actually brought on football allies, American football, because we believe that our curriculum and, and, and methodology can be translated into other sports. But the reason I bring that up is that it's soccerallies.com. My email address is there as well. You can contact me um, anytime or us anytime to, uh, to get the advice of what we do as, as coaches or as program leaders. Um, or just to pick my my uh, my brain individually, I should say. Michael, we really appreciate the time you coming on, talking about you know your career, some really highs and lows, a lot of you know how you were able to really build yourself up into a professional athlete, and you know I thought it was pretty cool how you related a lot of this stuff back to Kansas City, back to your hometown. It's crazy how it works, but Kansas City is. Uh... I tell everybody I'm extremely biased, but it's the best city in the world. Um, it's a hidden gem for sure. And without all of us, the people who make the city, it's, uh, you know, it wouldn't be where it is today. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's the spot to be. Oklahoma City's catching up, though. So, I, I mean, I have to say that, right? Yeah, I, I like <laughs> OKC. I always enjoy a good time, whether go to a Thunder game or just to hang out. Exactly. Exactly. Well, if you guys are ever down here, feel free, feel free to reach out anytime. All right. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you guys. For those who are listening to our show for the first time, 
All our past and future episodes are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Sports Mecca.